Yeah, I'm here. Welcome. This is uh, the Jungle Brothers podcast, episode 69. Pause. <laughs> You're here today with me, Paul Photophilly, and to your award, Joe couldn't be here today. Uh, we have a guest, though, special guest, Ty. H- hello, Ty, what's, hello. Your, what's your last I'm name? Hello, first. Oh, me hi there. Ty, me hi there. I'm glad that you're, an, you're, you're telling the audience, not me. I'd, me hi there. Yeah. All right, we have Ty. Ty is um, he's one of the interns who's currently going through um, the full the Polynesian crew on the podcast tonight. Full poly. Today. I know. This morning. Watch the listening, the listeners uh, just skyrocket. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ty's here today. Um, he, well, say hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ty. I'm from New Zealand. Uh, Maori. Um, I'm a b-boy, breakdancer. Oh, hell yes. Um, I've been, I guess, you know, like any other human being, I've been a part of movement my whole life. Um, but yeah, more particularly with breaking and with dance, I've been dancing for about nine years and getting more into mobility, strength and movement and that kind of stuff the past year or two. And I've had a little bit of history with weightlifting and bodybuilding and that kind of stuff. So sick. I love having you here. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, fine, fine gentleman. Uh, how did you end up here? Can you, can you tell us? Like, how born in New Zealand? Here? Yeah, born, born and raised. Where born and raised. Uh, Nelson, top of the South Island. Yeah. I left when I was 17 the first time. My parents stayed there. My whole family stayed there. I moved you to Canberra. You left by yourself? Yeah, I moved, left by myself. At 17? Yeah. That's a big move. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to get out, you know. Uh, what, was the, what was the driver behind that? Because a small town like Nelson, there's about 40,000, 50,000 people. And you grow up in an environment where people are in the same cycle. There's not much further in terms of vision of what's outside of that box. Um, and I knew one of the pathways especially for a person of colour, a Māori person in New Zealand, and to be amongst a small town kind of environment. You get involved with violence, you get involved with drugs, you get involved with all those kinds of things, or you you get a baby when you're 17 or you're 18, and I didn't really want to be a part of that. I wanted to go see the world, I wanted to travel. Um, and I knew as soon as I finished school, I wasn't sure if I wanted to study or to do anything in particular if I wasn't 100% sure that I was going to commit to that and I was going to finish it and that was going to be my job, if that makes sense. So I wanted to travel and to figure figure life out and go from there. See what that might be. Yeah. And so I left when I was 17. I moved to Canberra. We had some... Why um, Why Canberra? Because my mum's family's from Canberra. Uh, Yep. And she's got a... We've got another Canberra boy in the office today. (laughs) Marco's a Canberra boy. Oh, sick dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> One side. <laughs> but yeah, so her family's from there. So she's got still um, two siblings that live there and I went to go stay with one of them. I lasted eight months and I got, got over it and I left real quick. Um, I guess it just wasn't what I expected. I ended up going home for a year to kind of save up and figure life out again. And then I moved to Sydney the first time in 2011 because of some friends. They came over for New Year's. They had already already moved here. And during high school, um, 
we tried to start like a break, not a breaking crew, just like a hip hop choreography crew. It was like the thing in New Zealand, still like a big thing in New Zealand mm. at the moment. Um, and we tried to start something, nothing ever happened. I was always into like the movies, like You Got Served and Step Up and all that kind of stuff at the yeah. time. Um, so, you know, we would just copy and emulate <laughs> they, what we um, saw. Like d- a dance movie. I don't know those films. Dance movies. Yeah, dance movies. Mostly dance or yeah. like break dance or. Oh, just general. Thing. General, but like hip hop dance, like street dance. It's, it's like it's the Fast and the Furious for dance. Yeah. Oh, pretty so much. there's like story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. And this was. So this was in the early 2000s. And when I was going to school, I started high school in 2004. The year before and a couple of years like before that was the breaking boom in New Zealand. So I mm. missed that wave. Mm. And then by the time I got to high school, I only found out later on that they used to break every every um, lunchtime, lunchtime after no school. Way. Yeah, even, and this is in Nelson. This is in Nelson, yeah. yeah. this is in Nelson. And then even in Auckland, like I've talked to people from, from there that grew up there. They used to have a crew from every school and they used to go battle each other no and all way. that kind of stuff. And this was just before I hit school high school. Sport. So I just, <laughs> yeah, I missed it. I missed out, you know. When you'd say battle. Yeah. We're not talking like, like a, the one that includes blood. No. Talk us through a battle. <laughs> Um. <laughs> I know that's funny to you, but I, some people don't know that it's you can true. battle For on the, the dance floor. Listeners out there, I mean, I, I have before. Oh yes, on the dance floor, he does battle. Yeah. You see him at the Christmas parties. <laughs> so a battle, a battle is like like any duel, yeah. like any like any fight, but except you don't touch each other. So we do rounds. So for example, if I were to verse you, yeah. um, it's up to either of us who goes first. It's and you, and I, I would pick you out, like in the crowd. I go, "Hey, you." Well, there's there's two you. there's two kind of battles. There's yeah. an organized battle that's part of a competition, yeah. And then there's a battle that's in like a cipher format. And a cipher is a dance circle, and it ha- they have them in rap culture as well. You'll see uh, freestyle videos of of rappers in a circle, and they start they take turns to enter the cipher. Mm-hmm because it builds this type of energy and they freestyle. So they, um, what's the other word for freestyle? Um, freestyle? Improvise. Improv. Yeah, improvise. Improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in terms of, there's two types, two types of battles. There's an organized battle, mm. which is in a competition format. So you'll have, for example, you'll have an audition round and this is judged by people. Yeah. Usually you have three people that are, are judges and is there ever like money on the, like, is it, is it yeah. organized? So there's like prize, yeah. prize money in that? Yeah. There's not a lot of money, but um, some, enough some cases. Enough to get cases, in there to have a crack? Yeah, enough, yep. enough as, an incent- as an incentive, but at this other end of the spectrum, it's about respect and reputation. Glory. Yeah. Because at the, the end of the day, you know, you, you practice and you train so hard. And then a part of the practice of breaking is to showcase that, but in a battle format. So in a competition, you'll have like an audition round and the judges will select either, depending on the level and the amount of people that enter, a big international battle, they'll select, they'll have like 500 entrants, they'll select the top 64, and then it'll be a knockout and until the top two. So top 64, they'll verse each other, they'll go down to top 32, top 32 will go to top 16, then top to oh, eight, wow. top four, and then... It's a knockout comp. Yeah. And it's all on the same day. Some wow. some competitions have their auditions 
It's a big jo- like that's a big job for the judges. Yeah, that's that's a that's like one on the bigger scale of battles. How long does a battle last? Um, if if we were versing each other, it'd be I would say it wouldn't last very I'll long. Fuck it. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it would, depending if if it's one on one, it'll be battle with me on slaughter, not a battle. <laughs> <laughs> if it's one on one, it'll be two to four minutes. It'll be about around one. One to three rounds each. Yeah. One round will be about forty-five seconds to a minute of solid just dancing yourself, and then we'll take turns. We'll alternate, uh, and then maximum we can do like five rounds in in a competition format. Uh, but then if it's a crew battle, that's a little bit different. Or if there's multiple people longer. on a team, yeah, it's a little bit longer. It can be either by rounds or it can be by time. Right, and usually like when we're talking like time frame gives you an idea of the kind of athlete that's performing like you know you got a 100 meter sprinter a very short period of time in the competition and then you got your like long distance four hours or whatever um 45 seconds to a minute is is a very short period of time i'm guessing over that time it's quite explosive you know it's very high intensity um and at the same time so for the t- two different formats for a competition format you only need, let's say, 20 rounds for, for, a, for a battle to start from preliminary to the final. You need so at you least go. 20 rounds of 45 seconds to keep that energy up. But that can last, the whole battle day can last about six to seven hours. Oh, gosh. So you have to have the stamina to be able to turn it on when it's your time to go. Re-energize, yeah. come back out, build some lactic. Yeah. Headspace, all that. Whereas and your hardest battle is at the end of the day. Oh, uh, yes and no. It depends. Uh, okay. Whereas in a cipher format, so a cipher is a little bit different. A cipher in a circle, um, we want to, we're trying to build a conversation. We're trying to build energy and that kind of stuff. So when we have a cipher exchange or a cipher battle, we're talking to each other, but with our movements. Yeah. So for example, you'll do something, then I'll do something to communicate what you did back to you. And then we start building a conversation by reflecting our movements. And this can last at least 10 rounds, but one after another. So is the intention to do a little bit more than the... Yes. You you want to outdo the person until that person (coughs) gives up pretty much. So so pretty much the other night, you guys were in a strap cipher. Talking about edge. You were on the straps, then he came on and did what you did, but maybe a little better. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't take it that far, bro. (laughs) I didn't see, I didn't see. Ties a strong individual. You've had a bit of um, break experience, Paul. Mm, Little bit. Little bit. Have you ever had a battle? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, but I didn't know what I was doing. Did Did you win it? Uh, no, well, look, I don't know all the details. I didn't know all those details, but I'm, d- I'm kind of aware of what they look like and I watch them on YouTube and um, kind of been around that culture. But no, it was more just like at a party, you know, with limited actual skills, there's not much you can do. So you're kind of just showing out what you can do and that's it. The cipher will last like four round. rounds, something like that, you know, and you're doing like the same thing. That's different than... Um, <laughs> That's different in a party situation because yeah. that always happens. Yeah. You go to the clubs, you go to a party, <laughs> yeah. somebody thinks that they can do something <laughs> crazy and then somebody else wants to come out and do something even better. Now somebody does a backflip and then, someone and then gets it's injured. all over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Mate, someone tries lands to do on a, a backflip. Yeah, pretty much. But couldn't do one when they were sober. Yeah, yeah. But thought they could do it when they were drunk. 
Uh, so you there. were you were you missed that wave? You said yeah. Um, but you 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 started break dancing anyhow, and that just came from how just friends around you were interested in it, the music. Not so much. So at that time when I was at high school, um, so two thousand four, two thousand five, uh, I missed that wave. I got more into street dance, like hip hop and crumping and that kind of stuff. When I was fifteen, I played around with Capoeira because that was the closest thing in that I could get. There was no b-boys in my city at the time that could help because I felt like I needed to learn from somebody. And so I got more into Capoeira and that kind of stuff because it was similar. And then what happened was fast forward to 2011 after coming back from, from Canberra, I had some friends come over that were already living in Sydney, but they were from, um, from Nelson and we were trying to organize that crew together back in high school, if this mm. makes sense. Mm. And then they were already working here as dancers and then they asked if I wanted to come over, they'll get a job for me and they'll help me get back into dance. And cool. then I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, I'm not up to anything. It's just New Zealand, so I'll come for sure. And then I moved over um, and mm -hmm. I was also doing wakaama, which is outrigger canoeing. So it's uh, it's a Polynesian sport. It's sort of like dragon boating, mm. but you have a outrigger on the side of the boat. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I was I doing that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing that at the time and I had one race to finish. It was a marathon. It was um, a half marathon, I think. I was at only 21 Ks in Auckland. I had to finish that before I come over. I come over, I started the job the next day. I had no experience and I had to learn how to teach ballroom, Latin and hip hop. And they were just like, the night before giving me like an Deep hour end. workshop of like, this is what Sink you do. Swim. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Crikey. Then a couple of months later, they took me to a studio and I started taking breaking classes. So I started late. I started when I was 20. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And so I've only been breaking for nine years now. And this was in Sydney when you moved? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah. was in Sydney. Okay. Oh, man. Does the, do the dots connect? Yeah, it does. Does, does that make it sense? It does for me, yeah. yeah. Um, it must have been... I mean, obviously, you've got you've got you've got good body awareness and and the you know movement repertoire and all that kind of stuff. But to move from like uh, the crumping and the and the hip hop to ballroom and what was the other one? Latin and Latin. Yeah. Like I I I like from the outside in, a lot of people think our oh, dance is dance, but my wife's a professional dancer and I've tried different forms of dance poorly. But I also, uh, but what, what I did recognize when I tried the different styles of dance is that they're very, very different. It's like, it's almost like comparing like two different styles of dance could be so fucking different to each other. It's like, it's not, it's not even like comparing, it's like comparing wrestling to kickboxing. Correct. It's very yeah. different. Yeah. It's, it's like not apples the same and bananas. Thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Posture. Where you know how you stand, even down to the the, the your, whether your foot's pointed or pulled, all these habits that you would build with one style. That transition was that a successful one for you, or was it like just a complete bomb out? It was a pretty big bomb. Yeah. <laughs> I sucked in the beginning, yeah. But you know, once you get used to it, um, and because what I was teaching was for a company that came into schools and it was part of their um, PE curriculum. So it wasn't necessarily about um, the dance so much. It was more about teaching 
teaching children how to dance, but how to have that experience and have that social experience with each other, as well as like the music and that kind of stuff. So the dance wasn't the priority. It wasn't so much about the form. It was more about how do you make these classes engaging? How do you transfer that information to these children? And how do you get to them to perform in like a competition format at the end of the term? And I guess find a passion as well. If yeah. it's there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? An introduction to the world of dance. Mm. It's funny you say the yeah the the, the social experience yeah um, and uh, yeah I find uh, for me personally and probably for a lot of people uh, and different it's different from place to place in the world and cultures but uh, dancing uh, can be something that people feel like a lot of anxiety around or they don't want to do it or you're embarrassed to dance or you got your back up against the wall there's a party you don't want to go out there and and kind of move. You know, um, I definitely experienced that myself. I've loosened up a bit as I get older. Maybe, you know. You don't you, care as much. You don't care older, as much. Yeah. And, you know, you've got the uh, social lubricants, have a few drinks and loosen up and have a dance. Um, and I'm, I, for me, that's something that I, I still want to work on. Um, I like dancing. I'd like to get into it more. And, you know, we had a play the other day. I loved it. But what I took away from that was that I need to, I, I need to work on that bit where I need to loosen up and care a little bit less. Mm. Um, but can you talk about a little bit about when you got started? Like I think environment has a lot to do with it. So when you get started and you're with your friends and you're young and you're behind closed doors or garages and whatever, like was it always a natural thing for you? Because mm. I see some kids who come through dance schools and then when they mature into adults, they don't care. And I, and I see people just dancing. They'll be the first one on the dance floor and they don't care. And I always want to be that person who can just let go of that. Was it always like that for you or was it something you had to work on? A bit shy when you guys were young um, yeah, and you are now. Well, I guess like everyone's got this big stigma about dance. They, they think that, oh, I'm not a dancer, so I don't dance, you know. Mm. Whereas um, if you look at it as a perspective as, of expression, as long as you have rhythm, you can click your fingers, you can clap your hands, you can dance. You know, there's no expectation. And a lot of the time, nobody cares what you're doing. Only you care about what you're doing, if that makes sense. I know. Um, so with my own experience with dance, when it came to, to breaking, I, had, like, I grew up doing multi-performing arts. So since I was about two years old, so singing and dancing, but traditional multi-performing um, arts. Mm. So I had... I had experience in that and I'd already performed on stages and that kind of stuff. But then when you go like anything that you start from the beginning, you're going to suck, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think people already have these expectations when they try something, they think, Oh, I'm not good at it. So I don't do it. You know? Whereas anything that you start, everybody starts from the beginning. Everybody sucks in the beginning. Nobody has special talent. Sure. There's skills that transfer from other things. They, they come into play, but everybody, especially with breaking, one of the biggest values is originality. And the only hindrance that we have is gravity. The rest of it, we all have four, two arms, two legs, so four limbs. We've all got one head, like we're all the same. But how we move our bodies is always gonna be different. And what skills transfer and what we specialize in is always gonna be different, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I guess there's, there's, there's so many variables in there that build that uh, individuality 
you know, your background, yeah. your, your friends, your family environment, what you're talking about, even the, the size of your limbs, the length of your limbs, your mobility. Yeah, yeah. and with breaking, everything. With yeah. breaking, you'll see there's people that, that are big, that are small, that are tall. That's what I love the most wider, about it. Yep. You know, and, but that's all understanding, that like having that awareness and getting to know what you're good at and what you're not good at and focusing on the things that you want to learn. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, so like for me in the beginning, definitely I had like that anxiety or like I was the shy guy, you know, I didn't like to talk. I didn't like to introduce, introduce myself to people. So it took a lot of time and confidence for me to come out. But at the end of the day, like when you're part of a culture that is about pretty much, it's about self-development and it's about being social with other people. Nobody cares. Nobody, there's a, there's a point where it's just like, you need to look fresh because it's part of the culture. You have mm -hmm. to look good. Mm. But at the end of the day, your practice is your own practice, you know, mm -hmm. and people will help you the more you ask them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you were talking, when the question that you asked about um, the anxiety and, and obviously just gravitating towards dance, because it's a very, um, I know just growing up here in Australia, that um, it's always been looked at as like a more of a feminine um, discipline and if you go to dance school it's like there's 20 girls and one boy um, kind of deal on on a, on ratio mm. I know this because I take my daughter to dance and also my son and um, he's getting to the age now <clears throat> excuse me where he's like noticing that it's it's a it's a girl's thing like going to dance oh that's what girls do even though he loves it and mm. I can see that and he's very and he's he's gravitating towards it I'm really worried he's going to get to this point where he's just like, no, nah, that's boys don't dance, girls dance, boys don't dance, just to fit in with, with his mates and that kind of stuff. And I guess when, um, when you have traditional dance as part of your culture and, and it's quite masculine and break is also, you know, there's a fair bit of masculinity in there. Mm. It's, a good, it's a good introduction as a segue into dance. But for the kids that don't have that, what would your, your advice be to like a young young male kind of coming up through with an interest in dance, but having to overcome all these kind of social hurdles that are in front of them. Or even a late thirties type of male. Good. What's your advice? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, I had this experience um, when I was, when I was younger, when I was probably the, the same age as, um, as your son, maybe a little bit older. I used to really enjoy so I remember watching Michael Jackson. I remember watching James Brown because um, my dad was a musician. And at the same time, somehow randomly, I loved watching River, River Dance. It was yeah, like I know a, River Dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like um, Irish and tap mm. and all that kind of stuff. And at the time, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to try, you know. And so my mom put me into, into tap classes, into Irish dancing for not long. I think it lasted like maybe six months or a year. And what happened was in the Irish dance class, I was the only boy and I was just like, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to be the only boy in here. Mm -hmm. And pretty much, you know, I gave up and I was just like, I just left. I was like, no, nah, it's not for boys. But I think, you know, for, for kids, whether it's a boy or a girl, getting into something that's dominant by the other gender, you know, you just got to try. You just mm -hmm. got to try. You got to be brave and just trust that it's all going to work out, you know. Like there's no harm and if you enjoy something and to be yourself and keep exploring that, 
it doesn't do anything it doesn't affect you you know like later on you're going to appreciate it because you're being yourself you're authentically understanding what you like and what you want to follow and you're just pursuing that mm. and that's really important when you get a lot older and when mm. you start chasing like dreams and when you start traveling and you start doing things it's really important to be authentic and to be yourself and to follow the things that you actually want to do rather than fitting into society and fitting into things that don't actually match for us. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you were saying, um, what was that? Uh, there was an uh, introduction with Paul was talking to you about, uh, about exactly that and you said that um, uh, it do, does, no one else cares about what you're doing or the, you sh it's only you who cares about you. And um, it takes, usually it takes a long time. Like you got to get, you, you, you get into your 30s and you're like, oh, well, I don't really give a fuck about that anymore, you know? Like you, you, don't, mm -hmm. you don't care about what other people think as much. Uh, there's a change that takes place and you think, if only that could have happened earlier. And it's almost like the earlier that happens, the yes. faster you can actually, you know, get on track with the things that, that, that matter most to you. Yeah. And, and, and start pursuing passion, you know? Yeah, well, and then, so I perform on the street as well as a street performer, and I, I travel the world doing busking festivals and that kind of stuff. Wicked. And one of the messages, so we always grab, um, grab a kid that comes from the audience and we get them to join in, whether it's a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter, and we get them to have a dance with us. And then one of the messages that we tell the kids um, is they should dream big believe in themselves and don't let anybody take that away from them. You know, other people might not believe in them, but as long as they believe in themselves, they'll be okay. And to work as hard as they can and their dreams come true, you know? Mm. And that's, that's advice for anybody. You know, if you want to really pursue something, you know, you, you have to have self-belief and you have to have work, work ethic as well as have that vision of where you're going to go. Correct. Wise, wise words, wise words. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh yeah, you said um, yeah. We perform. We. Oh yeah. Y you're in a crew, yeah. Yep. So I have. Can you um, tell us a bit about? I have two crews. Crew. The crew that I busk with is called the Floor Legends. Uh, they started <laughs> in Germany, and there are there's two brothers and one of their friends. They started it together, and then they came to Australia in I think it was 2015. And they ex they like expanded because they needed to get some people from over here, and then we joined. So me and one of my other crewmates from my other crew. Um, what are they called? Breaking Borders. So I'll yeah. talk a little bit more. <laughs> oh, I like that name. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. I like that name more than Floor Crew. Yeah, Floor Legends <laughs> is is a little bit Floor um, Legends. You know, a little bit blasé. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they they came over here 2015. We moved. We went to Europe 2016 and we started performing with them. Wow. And we've toured in Germany, London, Paris, um, Portugal. Uh, we did Coffs Harbour Festival here. We did the Auckland Buskers Festival this year. And we did the Gold Coast Busking Festival last year. And we've got members from Germany, from Switzerland, from France. I'm from New Zealand. One of my friends is from, from here, from Australia, but he's half Malaysian, half Italian. The other one's Filipino, one from Morocco. And there's another from Venezuela. There's about 10 of us. So how does that work? Like, do you, are you rehearsing together or like what, what makes the crew if everyone lives 
So, else. so with the common philosophy or something with a busking crew, it's a little bit different to a regular crew. We have our street show was, which is about a 45 minute to an hour show. And that involves a little bit of routines, a little bit of dancing, some crowd interaction, uh, dancing with kids, getting some audience members to dance with us. And then we've got like a finale at the end. So it's a full interactive show. Um, and pretty much what we do is every summer. So I, we haven't done it this summer because of, um, because of COVID and that kind of stuff. Because usually we would go to Europe for the European summer yep. and then we would perform here for the summer here. So we do summer back to back. Usually we message the group and we figure out who are the, we either do four or five maximum and whoever's in that country or in that area at the time, we organize who are those members going to be. And then we go sure out and okay. get the money. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> get the dollar bills. That's great. That's yeah. mad. Endless summer. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah, um, um, off track, and we kind of come back. To it was a uh, where where did break 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 dancing come from? So breaking comes from the Bronx, New York. Started in the early seventies, and um, it's one of the four major elements of the hip hop culture. So in that time, in the seventies, this was when I think disco was still around. House was about to come out. They started having block parties. Uh, the Bronx was a really rugged, burnt down place. You know, you had a lot of like drug violence, all of that kind of stuff. And that was when like the Bronx was burning and mm. kids had nothing to do. Um, these kids would go to these block parties. And what happened was uh, one of the first, well, the DJ that created scratching. So, you know, like the wicka wicka, like that sound. His name's DJ Cool Herc. He would loop, so he would play the same record on two turntables and he would loop back one part of the song and that's called the break. Mm -hmm. And what he would do is he would continuously play the break and then people started getting this feeling to get down to the floor. And then that's how breaking kind of started and it had a big influence from Latino culture um, as well as from African culture because at the time the Bronx was a melting pot of different nationalities, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. And they got a lot of inspiration from, from Kung Fu movies and that kind of stuff. And that's where you see like the dynamic movements and breaking. And then it kind of developed a little bit further. And 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 disco had their own form of groove. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that that was the time that was the time with um, James Brown, when James Brown was making funk music and funk music was a really big front front split. Yeah, exactly. And that had a big influence on breaking culture. A lot of the traditional breaks come from James Brown's music. Music. And so, yeah, like there's three other categories Mm -hmm. in the hip hop culture. So there's breaking as one of the, the major elements. Then you've got um, emceeing or, or rapping. And then you've also got graffiti, which is the visual aspect, mm-hmm. as well as turntablism, which Turn-tab- is scratching yep. and DJing. Thanks. Mad. Yeah. Yeah, nice little breakdown. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I grew up uh, on hip hop culture and that's kind of the culture that I, I, I'm into the most. I would say uh, I listen to all types of music, but I've followed along. Uh, and historically, I don't know if you knew T, but my my older brothers were in a breakdancing crew. Okay, yeah. In, so that's where you started to. That's, that's where you got where your, influence. your influence. Yeah, in the household, yeah. you know. Uh, and they're, they're a lot older than me, so I, I didn't get into it with them. 
Um, but, you know, we've got the newspaper clippings. I think they'll call it Crazy Flex Crew. I was telling Ty about it uh, yeah, yeah. earlier. Yeah, and they travelled around and they went to New Zealand and travelled around Australia a bit. But, yeah, so I've, I've always just kind of been in that culture and, um, yeah, from all of the pillars of it and the history of it, it's fascinating how um, cultures can arise from like yeah. just how they arise, you yeah. know, and, and, and listening to the stories and I've seen a number of documentaries and just listening to the music and over a few decades you kind of – you put a picture together and it's just uh, – it, you know, it's so young, you know. Yeah. Such a young culture but look at it now. It's the popular dominant culture when mm. it comes to the West. It's come so far and, um, and its roots all come from that creative spark and that boredom, yeah. you know, and that limit – the limitations that they had. They had nothing. They yeah. had two tape decks and then they yeah. looped it around and they had the party scene and they had nothing else to do and no money, so they'd get together. And, um, and no equipment. No equipment. It'd just be like, what, They'll the street? plugging shit together. Yeah, that's it. Pretty yeah. much. A bit of cardboard. Yeah. Not even cardboard. It was mainly concrete. They no used way. That, yeah, they used um, cardboard to practice when right, they started yes. getting more into spinning and that kind of stuff. Ah, uh, okay. But a lot of the time, like that was the time when they would do like call-out battles Mm. And, you know, um, famous B-boy, Crazy Legs. I was watching an interview with him this morning. Who, who's that? That's a He is from the crew called Rocksteady. Rocksteady are one of the, f not the first, but one of the most famous crews from the Bronx, New York. Mm. And they even got into music. Uh, there was a song that's like, Hey You, the Rocksteady crew. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, you know, right. the, the around the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy Legs is, is their president, and he was saying that he there was a moment or like a period of time when he would just go, like he would hear about other b-boys from different neighborhoods, and he would go to their block and he would try to find them, and he'd be like, oh, man, Let's do like, it. Are, you a, are you a b-boy? Let's go, man. Uh, you know? Yeah, would, well. Yeah, and that's cool. that's how it happened, and then it kind of developed further on into into cipher battles and into competitions, and um, a really good documentary. It's not really a documentary, a really good series on Netflix. It's called the Get Down, and this the tells yeah the Get Down. This tells the the origin story of hip hop. It's not a hundred percent authentic or true, but a lot of the things are majorly correct. Go I, I check that out. No, I, I watched. Well, I was so excited for that to come out, um, and I I probably didn't get all the way through it. But it's made by Baz Luhrmann. Just, uh -huh. a, just FYI, and that's probably uh, why they've done a lot of it such not. a good job. He did a really good job, and he's good with color and music mm. and theater. Yep. But um, yeah, I I loved it, and there is some some good shit in that. But I also had a little problem with like because. He'll the fact just that it was Baz. Baz will just Bazify it. <laughs> I call it, yeah, it luminized the whole situation. Um, and kind of he know, has a way, a way of, of like painting things. Yeah, it's kind of like with a camouflage. Um, sparkles on everything. Uh, yeah. But, but I think, still I really think they cool. did a really good job at yeah, telling the story. And, and it's and very entertaining. And the transition of going from like disco and from house parties and yeah. transitioning into more funk music and to hip hop and then how it kind totally. of developed a little bit more. I think they did a really good job to make it easy and really good to watch. Yes. Yeah, to check yeah, it out. Visuals mm. and um, yeah, tell us more about the, if you can, uh, the crew here. Oh yeah. So yeah. Breaking Borders. Breaking Borders. Um, so that's, I feel like that's my real crew. Uh, we started in 2015. So you came up with a name. Um, so Jonathan, who is one of my, my good mates, um, he, him and two other members. So how do I tell this story? There are 10 of us. 
him and two other members that are from Belgium, that two brothers, they went to New York um, to travel to do some shows. This would have been 2014. And they went to a major event. And there's this guy, his name's called Ivan. He's a legend in the breaking world. Crazy power mover, super dynamic, and he's just a character. They call him Ivan the Urban Action Figure. And he was on the mic for this um, competition. I think it's called Silverback. Is he like jacked? He's, yeah, I would say he's pretty jacked. And I Is think he he's Itali like- Italian? I don't know, but I think he's like, um, he must be 50 or 60 years old and he can okay. still back, do backflips and shit. He's oh, shit. crazy. Um, That's awesome. He was on the mic and a lot of, a lot of the people that were dancing in the 80s, uh, and even in the 70s, they kind of crossed over in terms of the other elements, like they would get into graffiti or emceeing or DJing. It was very much unified. And he was on the mic and he was emceeing this event. And he goes, he goes um, one of the statements, he was like, yeah, yeah, it's so good to have everyone here. We're breaking borders from across the waters. We got people from different countries, different mm -hmm. places. And then Jonathan was just like, that's, that's, that's our name. name. Like, you know, that's We're us. Good. Yeah. Um, because... Yeah, we've got two members from Belgium. He's from Australia, but he's yeah Malaysian, Italian. One's Filipino. I'm from New Zealand. Um, one's from France. One's from Switzerland. One's from Italy. Another one's from here, and Damn. the last one is Chinese. Wow. Yeah. So That's break, great. yeah, breaking borders fitted us because at the time we were we felt like we were the only ones in Sydney that were training really hard and we felt we pushed our own boundaries. We would always motivate each other. And a lot of the time we would like the older members, we would go out, we'd travel to Europe, we'd go to trips. Like, you know, we'd do all these things and go find all this knowledge to push our own, push our own boundaries and to really test ourselves. It's mad. You, you need a crew. Eh? It's like, um, it's like a martial art in, in the same. There's lots mm. of parallels with even with the movement as well, but also development. Iron sharpens iron. Yes, mm. you need yeah. you need that people and then the influence and the energy. You know, I'm going a little to bit do of competition this. and in-house competition. You know, yeah, it makes it makes it makes a big difference yeah. because yeah. you have you know that community of people that are doing Pushing the same thing as you. you know? Accountability. Yeah. You know? yeah, and it's that brotherhood. Mm. You know, you don't mm. get that in a in a lot of things. Um, and like I had. Not a problem, but I jumped from a couple of crews because they just didn't share similar values. And yeah. I felt like I was a little bit more motivated to get get into it and to go hard. And it wasn't until we all started hanging out a lot more and then it just mm. naturally happened, you know. I guess it's also a place where you can go because a lot of these these uh, these disciplines and like we're talking about the movements are in places where, you know, where you're limited uh, to to, to your, your equipment and you've got you're in in, a, in an impoverished area and probably well usually with that there comes a lot of crime and if you're not into or if you don't want to travel down that path you're almost like stepping down a, the path of a discipline this is and I, and I say this coming from from martial arts background uh, because I've trained at a lot of different places boxing gyms kickboxing gyms and you see the same thing over and over, like these kids that could have potentially been hardened criminals mm. and they've made a, a decision to not travel down the same path as peers or, or siblings. And they've 
uh, stepped into their local gym and they're focused solely on that discipline and it's almost like a safe haven you know oh yeah I mean? for sure and you get the respect of the 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 you know if they're if your brother is in a gang or you know you've got uh, the kids in the neighborhood that are getting up to mischief you almost uh, you've almost got like a little bit of a get out of jail free card a little bit yeah because you've got your posse but that posse is kind of like taking a step away from you know going down a, a, a dead end path you know no i completely agree hip-hop saved a lot of people's lives mm. in that sense there's so many kids that have nothing to do and they've got a bad situation and especially with breaking it's free you know all you need is yeah. yourself you just need a little bit of music and maybe someone to teach you or now you can use youtube and it's all about practice and i feel like and what i've noticed from the level of breaking you'll notice that the countries that have a harder um economic system like for example like eastern europe or even like china like you know all these places that don't have as much freedom as places like australia or new zealand you'll notice that the people that come out of there are beasts because yeah. they've spent so much time like working on their craft because for them it can be an escape card. Mm. You know, if they work hard enough now, you can get sponsored or you can get into a show or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it takes your mind off things and it keeps you busy yeah. and it gives you results. If you keeps work you hard, trouble. yeah, it keeps you out of trouble because it gives you something to do. And if you work hard, you get something, mm. you know, it's you very similar to the fight game. Mm. Very similar. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Love it. I wanted to share a small story mm-hmm. um, because uh, I was, well, I was driving home a couple of months ago. Uh, I was getting my hair cut. I was over at Bowood and it was cool because like I, I told, uh, you know where I'm going with yeah, the time. Yeah. But I, I, growing up around in, in hip hop culture and, and, and breaking in music, you always have these movies that you grew up with. Beat Street was like the big ones. I'm familiar with Rocksteady Crew. We had all the vinyls and you see the visuals from the U.S., Mm. old footage of people breakdancing in the streets and whatnot. And I'm driving home just a couple months ago from Burwood and the traffic's lined up on this little road, this road and it's this road's got houses like so a thin footpath and the houses are pretty much like on the road. Um, and I pulled up and oh, I can see in the distance I'm, I'm getting closer. There's a guy out the front of his house breakdancing on the street and it was like the front of the house is right there on the street. And then there's like a small driveway into a roll-up garage. These are like um, places that are stuck right next to each other. And as I get closer, yeah, he's just got a bit of vinyl and he's out the front. It's the middle of the day and he's got the music going and he's just in the middle. He's warm. He's in the middle of a session and he's like power moves, everything. And the, we're like just a ride in traffic. And I was like, look like something out of a scene mm. of the 80s in the Bronx. And I was like, this kid, and he was fresh, you know, he had his socks pulled up and he was doing his thing. And I was just gave him the beep and I was like, yeah. Like, I was like, <laughs> that's so sick. I was like, so inspirational. Gave me such a huge smile. I wanted to let him know that I was like, that's it. That's so sick. And then um, a month ago or something, I, I was like talking to Ty. I was like, hey, you know what happened to me like last month? I had the, you know, I saw this guy and I told him what had happened. And he was like, yeah, that's that's my guy. He's in Ty's crew. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's his name? Jonathan. Oh, that's Jonathan. Yeah. Shout out, yeah, yeah. Shout out yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. Just being fresh on his own, putting the work in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like without the cipher and, and whatever. 
and the party music is just there doing it. And I was like, that's so cool. He's got his craft and he's just and like- a, And a crowd as well. And a crowd. And it's oh, just the middle it. of the day. Yeah. He loves I mean, it. He loves I mean, that, that line of traffic past. there yeah. is his crowd. Yeah. People <laughs> are probably, it. and I'm like, I got to give this guy the energy yeah. that he, because he's putting it out. I was like, that's so cool. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, well, sorry. yeah. I wanted to ask, uh, you know, for all the breakdancing and that culture that you've been in for so long and, you know, you've been- developing yourself there that's very much part of your identity how how did you end up coming to jungle brothers and um you know what what does jungle brothers how is that playing a part in your life like how did you end up more specifically calling in here um so where do we fit in to this this story at the bottom oh <laughs> we're rising i'm climbing up on top <laughs> <laughs> no <Nah>, um <laughs> So my girlfriend, um, she she found <laughs> no idea how how she found you guys, but she was looking That's for right. um, yeah, she yeah, was yeah. looking for a place to to start getting back into training, and but something a little bit different. Uh, she had history with Muay Thai, and she'd be training for quite a while, but then she had a big uh, break and decided to do other things, and now she wanted to kind of get back into it. She found you guys. Where did you guys meet? Where did we meet? Shout out, Clarice. Um, where did we meet? <laughs> we met at work. So I was a removalist at a property styling company. This is about five years ago. She was a stylist. And you know what happens? The removalist yep. talked to the stylist and then now we're together. That was it. Yeah. Wow. But <laughs> a bit more complicated than that. And then you took your shirt off, didn't you? And <laughs> Not like, quite. Oh, wipe the sweat off your forehead <laughs> while you're carrying out furniture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bit more complicated than that, but I that's the gist of so, the bro. story. I don't think um, so. But yeah, so <laughs> she came here and she loved it and she was just like, you need to come in because this feels like your vibe. And at the time I um I was looking for something and I wasn't sure what that was. And I think it was just after a trip from Europe and that was that would have been last year I, I got back from Europe and that time I actually spent the whole time just um, just developing, just breaking and traveling. Usually when I go to Europe, I, I go and I work. But this time I wanted to just enter competitions and just to train and hang out. And uh, I noticed how serious one of my crewmates was taking it. Uh, he's from Switzerland. And how important like that reflected on his life. So his lifestyle... His name's Timo. He's he's a visual artist as well as a, as a dancer. His lifestyle, he doesn't do anything he doesn't like. So whatever he doesn't like, he doesn't do it. With like zero effort, nothing. But whatever he does do, he does it 100%. And he doesn't hold anything back. So especially with art, with breaking, he took it super serious. Like on another level, he's got a coach. He's got like a physiotherapist. He's got everything based all around in. it. Yeah, he's gone all in from the beginning. And, you know, like you read books about self-development and all that kind of stuff. And he was the prime example of somebody that actually practices it. And when I saw him, I was just like, fuck, I need to do something, you know. And I came back and I was just like, all right, well, I think it's time I give it a good shot or a good crack because I haven't really, even though I felt like I was pushing hard. But I know, you know, I could have done more and I could have taken it a little bit more seriously. Came back, trying to find a coach. I didn't want to go through a traditional route because I felt like the fitness industry 
is really like unmoderated and it's really hard to find someone that's going to be able to take what I do and make it better. So are you talking about a, a personal training coach or a dancing coach? Personal training okay, coach because right. I wanted my body because I, I've, I've already got mentors um, in the breaking world that yep. uh, are a bit older than I that helped me with my creative side and how I break. Mm, but yeah. I needed somebody that was going to change my body and make it even better and better at what I do. Okay. And she found that here. And then she was like, you need to come in. You need to come and say hello. And then I organized a meeting with you, Tilda. And then that's it. That's how I got cracking. Yeah. So you obviously like um, recognize the importance of um, – it's like a strength and conditioning uh, routine of some kind. Yeah. Uh, which I'm guessing you already had something. In, did you have something? You've had something in place up yeah. until here, but it's been. But obviously it wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, and I needed someone that was open, had more of a fighting background because I felt like that was the closest discipline that was closest to ours, yeah. especially in terms of fitness, in terms of explosiveness, in terms of stamina. And endurance, I felt that was really important, and those kinds of um, values would cross over a lot easier. And then also, like um, when I got to got to know you and we got to talk, and you having more experience with body weight and gymnastic strength training and that kind of stuff, it made it more relevant and made yeah, more sense. 100%. And I don't think you know if I went to to Crunch Fitness and I talked to a PT over there, I don't think that I'd get that. No, get bigger chests though. Yeah, but it's some chesticles. Made my shoulders tight. <laughs> Not good enough. <laughs> Not good enough. That's wicked. Yeah. And so then yeah, we, we did a couple of sessions and you know, like improvements happened and you know, I feel like I'm getting a lot stronger and then then you guys started now talking guys about fucking taking over the fucking place. Now talking about the, the internship. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a rumor and I was like, Okay, I need to be a part of it. Um and I and I think it was, you know, only a year ago. Pretty much this time, I, I think I got back July, August. A year ago, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go pretty much all in. And I, I think I almost have, you know, like mm. doing the internship um, and then like sitting down and like talking through like my goals and like what I want and giving the movement industry a shot. Now I'm doing my personal training certificate. I'm doing the internship here and I'm pretty much here every day, you know, just ready to absorb and take it all in. Mate, your your vision and and going from I just need to do some strength and conditioning, and then going into this whole internship. Uh, talking about your vision, what can you tell us more? Like where, where where's your head at? The ultimate. Where's the ultimate vision? Like where's the all the breakdown, all dancing, all the work? What what are you thinking, mate? Um, Let us in. I didn't know. I didn't know at the time. Um, last I would say last year. This time last year when I saw my crewmate doing it a hundred. I was like, I need to do this too, because that's what our crew is about. You know, we're breaking borders. We're supposed to rep. We're supposed to go f past our boundaries. We're supposed to go all in when we do something. Um, and so at the time I knew that I wanted to go hard with breaking. I wanted to get at least to an international level. Um, one of the things that's happening at the moment is I'm part of the Olympic team to go to the 2024 Olympics. No way. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in the second awesome. tier. There's, yeah. I haven't really told anyone there's two tiers. I'm in oh, the, I'm in the wow. second tier as like part of the Olympic development program. Um, so that's on the, on the cards, but it's more 
on myself. Yeah, I come, I come back. I just wanted to do that. Then we sat down and I knew I always wanted to open my own space. I thought it was going to be like a studio and a cafe and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then after going to Europe, the place where he trains at and he helped start up, it's called the Movement Spot in Switzerland. I really like to have a little look at that. Yeah, place. you'd love it. Um, they do yoga, they do breaking, they do hip hop, they do calisthenics, they do acrobatics. Oh, that sounds um, great. They, they pretty much, not everything, but it's all based around movement. And when I, when I practiced there, I was just like, this is it. Like, this is the jam. This is, this yeah. is how it should be. And then when I brought those thoughts back and, you know, you look at dance studios here and you, you see how much they niche themselves and restrict themselves. Yeah, not much segregate. Yeah, exactly. Like, just being a dance studio, you, you only have one, one type of clientele, you know. And one type of dance. Yeah, exactly. Which again is restricting on, uh, on uh, in, in another way, you know. Yeah, and so once I noticed that and then I realized, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into yoga, I'm into doing other stuff, I'm into calisthenics, it's all based around movement, it's not just dance. It makes more sense to connect everything together and to open that to everybody rather than to niche down into one thing where it doesn't cross over for anything, you know. And then when we sat down and actually the first time I walked in here, this was an instinct feeling. I was just like, yeah, I could run a place like this. Dope. I was like, I could, this is, this is exactly like what I could see myself doing, you know, like I could own a place like this. And it wasn't like out of um, a bad place. It was just like a feeling. Um, and I guess it's like a feeling of like, you know, like home kind of thing. And then, yeah, we sat down and we, we figured it out and I want to open my own gym, but with the connection to breaking, but based around everything, you know, a gym that's going to have, have everything that you provide here, but it's going to have a dance studio. It's going to have in my, in my head, it's going to have a cafe. It's going to have, uh, uh, like a higher desk, like a, we work kind of oh, environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. cause, uh, Clarice is, she's an interior designer but she's also a nurse. She also does social media. She loves doing like creative workshops. And I think that's a big part of like dance is being creative and, you know, being a part of the arts. And I'd love to have a space that hosts like regular workshops and that kind of stuff, not movement related, but creative related, you know? So yeah, it's going to be a beast, massive. That's great. Yeah. Um, Tell me what's going to be in your cafe. Vegan. Vegan food. Tell us more about that. Because <laughs> you don't look like a, a standard vegan. No. Or I should say that's kind of the, what what most people would think is what the standard vegan looks like. But in reality, it's not necessarily the case, is it? No. No, well, not Tell at us all. a little bit more about. Um, I dropped red meat about five years ago uh, just to try, see how I'd feel. I felt better. I was on chicken and fish for a while and I stopped dairy at the time. Um, felt good, and then a part of my Ty's, Ty's pretty jacked, by the way. <laughs> if you, you you can't see him, but he's carrying some muscle, jacked and humble. He's carrying so some muscle. There's all those those hip hop triple XL hoodies and stuff that he wears. Yeah, yeah. You can't actually see, but there's some muscle under there. there. <laughs> um, yeah. So a lot of a lot of our friends were already vegan. They were already like amongst it. I never thought it was. It was like a, not a disease, but I was like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to go vegan. 
like that, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> a disease. <laughs> and then what happened is, I, like, I've watched... Um, I've watched a few documentaries. Some of them I didn't resonate with. The one that I did watch that kind of clicked, it's called What the Health. It's free on Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, Clarice and I watched that together and it was just like, oh, fuck. I, have to, I guess we have to try it, you know? Mm. Um, and it just talks about not just the cruelty of animals, but how animal products really affect our bodies. And what we're putting into our bodies isn't a good thing, mm. you know. If you if you think about how we were were living primitively, meat wasn't necessarily a thing. Meat was a it was a luxury. It was something to get you through the winter. You'd only have it sometimes, mm. you know. Whereas now we're in a society where we overconsume so much Breakfast, of it. Lunch and dinner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was I was one of those people when I was more into like bodybuilding and that kind of stuff. You know, I was eating like six to 10 meals a day. And a lot of it was like egg whites and fish and, and meat. Like, you know, it was really, really animal protein based. Um, and just like, you know, some of the studies that show like how much it causes inflammation, um, things like, you know, human beings are actually lactose intolerant. A lot, of, a lot of people are lactose intolerant, but we build the especially tolerance. Pacific Islanders. Yeah, I mean there were no cows that no, travelled with Pacific Islanders. We, pig and chicken, wasn't it? Yeah, we only built this tolerance because it's been introduced into our society. But you'll notice that as soon as you stop it, that intolerance comes back, and you just can't handle it. It's not made for us. Mm. Milk is for a baby cow. It's for a, a, a little calf to turn into a. 400 kilo beast mm. and we're just With like, like uh, four four stomachs i think yeah have. exactly and we're we're not even a quarter of that you know so it's not meant for us omnivorous not not on a not on a regular no basis. not on, yeah, not on a sometimes food for the primitive man mm. so um yeah i watch i watch what the health and then i was like okay i'm just gonna try um and to be honest like i feel a lot better I never feel tired. I always have energy. I recover real quick. It's good for my body, especially I got diagnosed with um, osteoarthritis after a, I did a flip. Lots of breaking. Yeah, I did a flip in a show in per Portugal. I slipped uh, and all my weight fell onto the like, top knuckle of my foot. Just swelled up. I didn't go see a doctor. Oh. Came back and then the doctor's like, yeah, there's it's like a, a small fracture, but you've probably got... Um, not osteoarthritis, degenerative arthritis. So it's just going to get worse over time. Mm. And I remember that was just after, um, yeah, I got back from Europe and I was still eating animal products and I used to get like flare-ups and pain and that kind of stuff. But I've been vegan for almost three years and I don't really get pain anymore. And you're, 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 you're putting some serious force through those joints too. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I still train. I still train a lot. Um the closer I'm, I would say I'm 80 to 90% closer to whole food plant-based because that's the more optimum diet because it, just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're healthy. Mm. There's still like Oreos are vegan, you know, like there's a shitload Cigarettes of- Cigarettes um, are vegan. Yeah, there's a shitload of processed things mm. that we can put into our bodies that still aren't good for us. Um, I've, seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of that kind of processed um, plant-based kind of that new tag on a, a lot of pro pro products that- uh, you know, in the supermarket at the moment. Yeah. They look like shit. Yeah. Wrapped in plastic from fucking Mexico or some shit. You're yeah, like, oh, yeah. Like, what the fuck? They're, they're a good in-between for people that want to start transitioning or, 
or to take away a little bit more of like meat products and that kind of stuff because mm. the the problem that people find is they just don't know how to cook they don't know what to eat and how to eat they don't know how to flavor their foods and that kind of stuff but once you get into it and once you figure out your go-to meals and the easier way to and the the methods it's it's easier um and it's it's no harder than if you were to eat meat sometimes you don't have as much um flexibility or access when you go to to places but a lot of the time there's always vegan options and there's a lot of really mm -hmm. good vegan restaurants and cafes now and you just get better at uh foresight and preparation yeah yeah that sort of thing and it's you know it's good for your body and it's good for uh, the environment there's no negatives of yeah. a plant-based diet you know yeah it's um i think for a lot of people it's a it's a it's a way of just bringing the attention back onto what you're putting into your body, mm. um, and it forces you to kind of you know get a bit more variety in there. I moved to like a five day veggie diet. I kind of went to shit over COVID, um, but I'm getting back there now. And um, I just found that I'd been using meat as a filler, yeah, for a lot of things. And then I once that was gone, I was like, okay, well. My plate's looking really fucking boring right now. So then the beans and legumes come in and then I got coconut cream coming back into my diet and different forms of ground roots. I feel fine. I don't feel any different to mm. how I was. I actually feel better because I've got more variety of the yeah. whole foods. Mm, mm. Um, but I don't feel like it's had any impact on my training whatsoever. Yeah. You know? And uh, even with protein powders and stuff like that, I think a lot of that stuff... I mean, protein in general is there only a certain amount you can absorb during a day, and it's not a lot. And you know, you know what I, mean? I think it's really overrated the quantity that that a human eats. The biggest question is, where do you get your protein from? Yeah, but no doctor ever tells you that you're protein deficient. No, you know. So, like, that's just a big thing that we've been customized to think about that we need to have this protein and protein comes from animals era. yeah exactly yeah. Uh, but that stigma still sticks around but you know you still get when you have a balanced diet that has all the different colors of all these different vegetables all these different legumes and and beans and grains like when everything is put together in the right way sometimes you even get more because mm. you've packed in all these different nutrients and different things you know yeah yeah i could agree with that but you know it's not for everybody everybody is different um and i just think you know if everybody had more vegetables in general you know had more mm, diverse mm. vegetables in general you'd, you're gonna be feel better anyway you know yeah even the um i think from my last trip my last little holiday and and i've been working towards yeah, looking into into the ve like not talking about plant based diet, I'm just talking about whole foods in general. Even looking at where the whole food comes from, because you can go to a nutritionist, dietitian, vegan, not vegan, vegetarian, whatever, and they're like, eat your tomatoes, eat your lettuce, eat your cucumber. Then you got to start looking a little deeper than that. Where'd the cucumber come from? Where'd the tomato come from? Is a tomato grown in a fucking greenhouse you know in holland or with a bunch of fucking chemicals or did you grow it in your backyard you know and we had this chat with um with paul last week as well and i think mm, um mm. that this emphasis is coming back onto what's going into the soil 
mm. that your plants are coming from, this cycle you can keep looking deeper and deeper and deeper. But I can tell you right now there's a big difference between quality vegetable, good quality vegetable, and poor quality vegetable. Mm. And, and that's the exact same with meat. Injected with so many hormones, growth hormones, you don't want chemicals, mm-hmm. even like people say like vegans are, are deficient in B12, but technically human beings are deficient in B12 anyway, because animals get injected B12 supplements so they can get that out of the product. So, you know, like there's all of these things that. Well, if it never sees the sun. You know, if it's well, living yeah, exactly. on soy, soy products. And you used to be able time. to get out of the soil, but because mm. they've, they've fucked up the soil so much, you know, you yeah. can't get all those nutrients Monocultural anymore. Monocultural farming mm. to feed animals. And then you've got to douse, dose them up with antibiotics and that, uh, so they don't get sick. And then you've got to make them grow quick. And everything that goes into your food goes into you. Yeah. It's just, that's science, yeah. you know. So I think it's, I think it's good that people are starting to look a little deeper into where their their food source is actually coming from. You mm, know? Mm, and even mm. even if you look up the term free range, that's just a commercialized term to make us feel better about a product. Free range in terms of like chickens, they can I don't know the exact measurements. But they're gonna like spend Certain but amount of time outside of the cage. No, it's not even it's not outside. Even it's it's underneath. So under it's like roof. in a big. Yeah, yeah big it's roof. underneath the roof. Yeah. But they're still packed it's in like in a, a few hundred or thousand mm. birds, mm. and they're all walking on each other, all shitting on each other, and that's what they call free range. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, that's another that's another story. Damn, <laughs> heavy shit. Man, you got big dreams. Yeah, and you're they're in motion. Yeah. yeah, strong perspective on, on food. You got this idea of the, the, the cafe and the space. I can't wait to see uh, what it, how it all turns out. And I'm really happy that we're part of that story. And, you know, I've known you for how long now? I haven't really got to sit down and, and hear all of this stuff. So I'm, mm. I'm really honoured to, to, to hear, um, you know, you reveal all of like your, your dreams and hopes here. Yeah, uh, he's a, uh, I, I see you as part of that ne- the next generation of Jungle Brothers and bringing that more more dynamicness, more elements. You I'm know? taking over. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the process. Hey, I'm, I'm happy you to know? be part of the beginnings and have it evolve into something that I could never even imagine. Yeah, and, and we're this seeing is, this that is now. Here. And yeah, even this with cool. this last group of in, interns, mm. uh, I mean, you just look at all of them and, you know, they're all so much talent there yeah. and also intelligence and drive and um, yeah, it's great. Very, um, very um, like impressed. It's been a pleasure. Man. It's been um, really inspiring to be like, you know, kind of like a part of this community now and to really have, I feel like you guys are like mentors or like older brothers, you know, like that uh, doing something. Glad that you said brother and not like father or <laughs> grandfather or something. No. <laughs> you like spirits. <laughs> elders, like the, elders of spirits. Sorry, sorry. Spirits of elders. Cool. <laughs> no, but it's 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 really it's a really good environment and it's a good place to be a part of and to see people doing things that they love and to be all in something, you know, and to have mm. that example because you don't get that outside, you know. You go, you walk down the street, there you still see people that are sad walking to work at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. They still hate their lives. 
So it's really nice to be a part of something that you want to be a part of, but also a really good environment that I feel like helps me grow. Yeah, an accepting one. Mm. It's good and a diverse one. Yeah. Which is exactly what we set out to, to build, wasn't it? And part of the, uh, part of the gym, uh, mm-hmm. actually funny, because when you're talking about walking into this space and thinking, yeah, I could run something like this, this was, uh, and I remember saying this to, to Paul and, and uh, Joe, that the, 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 the most important thing that we must get out of the, the gym design and the space itself is to inspire young coaches and they walk in and look at this space and say, I want to be a part of this community and mm. help to grow it. So it was successful. Yeah, you it worked. Yeah. Done your that job. was obviously only part of it. You know, the people yeah. are the most of it, you know. But mm. yeah, it's great. Meanwhile, the building budget just got blown out. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to take about 10, 12 (laughs) years before that's paid off. (laughs) (laughs) That's all good. Uh, We should wrap it up there then, I think. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Mad. Um, Thanks a lot for coming in. Thank you. awesome. I I guess I should uh, say thanks to Panavore, Tree at Panavore Cafe, because we were drinking his coffee um, throughout. Thanks, Tree. Thanks, Tree. We also had um, Paul West's cream. The Tilbury Real Ty Dairy didn't have cream. Any cream, Real Double, no. Oh, they're they're well looked after cows, by the way. They were, that was in our coffee, but um, yeah. And to those listeners out there, um, you know, if you need any help with your training, etc., uh, you know where to find us. We've got our website, our Instagram, Jungle Brothers Movement. Uh, message us, email us, and that goes for interns as well. If there's coaches out there or anyone who. You're not even you're not even a coach. If but you're you think fucking you might bored of the shitty yeah. little gym you're working in, or if you're not you a coach, feel like you've got more to offer. The world. You could be a dancer or a creative, and somehow you want to get involved, and you've got an idea of how that is. We are open to any and all things. Like I said, we want this thing to evolve into something that um, We're you know, over. that we we can't necessarily know. You you know? Age. Yeah, we are. We We're are. fucking taking. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, please, the Boogie Bandit. Awesome. Boogie crew, Bandit. Yeah, the Boogie Bandit. And the crew is? The crew is Breaking Borders. That's the crew based in Australia. Do you have an Instagram for Breaking Borders? Yeah, yeah. We've got what about a, if you want to hire, like have a show? Yeah. Message us on Breaking that. Borders or through the Floor Legends. What's the Breaking Borders Instagram? Breaking Borders. B-R-E-A-K-I-N-B-O-R-D-E-R-S. Breaking without the breaking, G? Yeah, no breaking. G. And then Borders. Yeah. Straight Borders. No yeah. Z. No hip hop no, Z at no, the end. No Z. Okay, breaking boss. I English. need to follow that now. Yeah. I'm not on that. And follow um, me, the Boogie Bandit. Boogie Bandit. Yeah. Boogie Man. Bandit. Oh, I got to get on that too. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Ty. See you later.